mindful of the old country church where all of the membership basically were rural and it was an agricultural based society and Many were involved in farming, and it was a bad, bad day weather-wise, maybe similar to ours, though ours isn't that bad. But uh, um, anyway, only one old farmer showed up that day for church, and the pastor uh, stood up and opened his Bible, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached. And uh, in the conclusion, it was over with, and that one farmer came to the pastor and said, you know, even when it's cold and my cows don't come to the barn to be fed or they don't come out and that, he said, I don't give just one cow the whole load. Well, I'm still going to give you the whole load <laughs> uh, this morning. No, I want to open the Word of God today. Uh, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is associated with love and you would probably expect a pastor to preach on marriage or love, relationships, uh, uh, some aspect of that. Uh, however, I am choosing to speak on the greatest act of love, that God would love sinners and that he would justify them, not by the merits of sinners that sought to do right, but rather by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, by the propitiation, by the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's only Son. Uh, the anonymous hymn writer, or unknown hymn writer, many years ago wrote, What wondrous love is this that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, to bear the dreadful curse for my soul. What wondrous love is this, O oh, my soul. Do you know a higher act of love? I don't believe it. You've been deceived if you do. No scripture then, or no teaching of scripture, to me would communicate the love of God better than the doctrine, the teaching about justification. God's gracious act called justification. Would you read in the scripture with me from Romans chapter 3 beginning at verse 21. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. But now... The righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short, fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has pa had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His 
righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. These wonderful verses begin with two simple words that are hallelujah words, but now. Those would indicate that there's a change of thought from what has been previously stated. The earlier verses of Romans chapter 3 speak volumes to our condition, our tragic condition. There is none righteous, no, not one. That right there ought to speak to those that think they can get good enough for God to redeem them or to love them or to accept them. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who seeks after God. But we all think that we found God, don't we? <laughs> See how masterful and wonderful and sovereign He is? There is none who seeks after God. Paul quotes again, Old Testament passage, they have all turned aside. It's a bleak picture. But then he uses these words in Romans chapter 3 and verse 21, but now. It's the door pin that hinges the great truth of justification. It brings us to the wonderful teaching, yes, of God's love, but now. Precious words of grace. New hope breaks forth onto the scene. God has provided a Savior, and through Him, He imputes righteousness. He places the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, under three headings, I want us to see about this doctrine of justification. I want us to see, just dividing the Scripture in verses 20 and 21, the testimony of our situation. Paul takes these Roman Christians back to the Old Testament and test, lets it testify of God's redeeming grace, of God's justifying love. But then he reminds them again in Romans 3 and verse 23 of the tragedy of our sin, how well we know that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. My friend, that is the issue, is God's glory, and we fall short. Then lastly, in verses 24 to 26, Paul speaks of the treasure of our standing or the treasure of our position in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, having told you what I'm going to say, I want to say what I'm going to say. First, the testimony of our situation. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. Circle that word, apart. Paul declares that righteousness does not come by behaving. Righteousness does not come by behaving, but by believing. It is apart from the law. 
Paul is talking about the imputed righteousness that is obtained in the finished, faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the Sunday school hour, Brother Steve mentioned faith alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That was the mantra, part of the five uh, solas of the Reformation, the five alone statements. Uh, it's in faith in Christ alone, not the law, not the keeping of the law. And so the testimony of, uh, of the situation of these Roman Christians, the testimony of our situation is that righteousness comes apart from the law. Not through the law, not through keeping the law, but apart from the law. Wherefore, the law is holy, Paul says in Romans 7 and verse 12. The law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. But what is the purpose of the law? Romans 3 and verse 20. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law is the standard of perfect righteousness, perfect holiness. And you're deceiving yourself if you believe that somehow or another you can keep the law perfectly in your heart, in your intent, cannot be done. The law, my friend, cannot save. And that wasn't a new thing. As Paul's giving the testimony of it. Look, he says, this was witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all that believe. There's no difference. Paul points out that the Jews have no argument because the Old Testament law, the Old Testament prophets, witnessed to the very fact that the law couldn't save. Well, what is the message then of the law and the prophets, the Old Testament? It's the message that Jesus Christ is coming. Every type of the Old Testament was a foreshadow of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we think about our justification, the Old Testament testifies that it was planned there uh, before the foundation of the world, that, it's, uh, it, that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Psalm 22, you cannot read Psalm 22 and not see Christ's sacrifice for sin. In Isaiah 53, what a glorious chapter. You cannot read that and not know that he's not speaking about the uh, suffering servant who is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said to the Pharisees who were the scripture scholars. That's why he said to them in John 5 and verse 39, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. What scriptures was he talking about? Well, the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And so there's a testimony that this text or this portion of scripture begins with in verses 21 and 22 that the law and the prophets testify of the coming Messiah of Jesus the one who would impute righteousness who would make us just and then he gets back to the tragedy 
of our sin. In verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man's sinfulness and depravity, everything that Paul's ever said about it or will say about it can be driven home in this one verse. You think you're living a good life and God's going to accept you? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You think that you can merit in some way or another by your behavior, you can merit God's justification? That you can stand before a holy and righteous God? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man is lost and he doesn't even seek God. If he did, he couldn't get to him. Isaiah the prophet says it this way in Isaiah 64 and verse 6, that we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Dirty, leprous rags, bandages. He says that's the best that our righteousness is before a holy God like those leprous rags, bandages. All have sinned and fall short. Notice the tenses of this. The first phrase, all have sinned, is in the past tense. While fall short is in the present tense. In other words, the consequences, all have sinned, uh, are continual. It could be read this way, for all have sinned and keep falling short of the glory of God. Do you hear that, church? Do you hear that, unbeliever? There's not a point that you can reach in your goodness and in your law-keeping that somehow or another you cease to fall short of God's glory. You need something that's going to make you, bring you to the level, that's going to place you to where you are just. That's where he speaks to this matter of justification in verse 24. Sin is falling short of God's standard. That's the tragedy. And the Pharisees tried. Jesus said to them in Matthew 5 and verse 20, uh, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you shall in no case, no way enter the kingdom of heaven. God demands perfect righteousness. And again, the question could be asked, then how can I get to heaven? Be perfect. We can't do it, can we? If you're honest, you can't do it. We fall short. We keep falling short. No matter how much work and effort we put into it, we will never meet God's standard of perfect righteousness. That's the tragedy of sin. But look at the treasure of our standing. Verse 24 and following. An amazing truth that sinners can stand before a holy God, a righteous God. How does that take place? Being justified. What a wonderful teaching justification is. That we who tragically fall short and keep falling short have been justified. Being justified. 
God sees us justified. Charles Swindoll is the first that I ever heard. It's not original with him. But he said justification, or the word justified means that God sees me just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. The truth of the matter is, it's even deeper than that. It goes beyond, not that we, just as, as if I'd never sinned. God sees us apart from sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've been justified, being justified, the treasure of our position, uh, there are several aspects of this treasure that are mentioned in verses 24 to 26, and, and he speaks of our position, being justified. To be declared righteous. I've already said we keep falling short. We're unrighteous. My best 15 seconds. <laughs> I fall short. And if you offend the law in one point, you're still a lawbreaker. A sinner. And we certainly are. But being justified, we are declared righteous. Justification is a legal term. A legal description. The definition of it is this. It is the gracious act of God whereby he declares the forgiven sinner to be righteous. Now, I need to point out that justification is different from forgiveness. Justification is different from forgiveness. It's more than forgiveness. I raised... Amy and I raised two uh, rambunctious boys. I don't think they ever, well, I'll use this one. When Matt was younger, I don't know, he was just learning. I played a little golf, and he is, he is learning about sports. I don't know, he's three or four or something like that. But anyway, and, and we lived in New Albany, and he got a hold of one of my golf clubs, and he was practicing his golf. We were trying to make him right-handed, so he had one of my, my clubs. He's left-handed, but... Anyway, he whacks the headlight on our car. <laughs> and that thing just cracks big time. Now, he wasn't but three or four. He didn't know any better. We forgave him. We forgave him for what he did. But no amount of our forgiveness could change the fact that he broke the headlight. Do you see yourself there? That's why justification is necessary. We have been forgiven of our sin. Jesus took our place. But justification is that God, that when a sinner comes to Christ, he forgives and justifies. Forgiveness removes the penalty. Justification removes the guilt. Does it cause you to see yourself a little differently? Being justified. And, and, and let me, let's turn to Acts chapter 13. It's a wonderful text in Acts 13. It speaks to justification. Acts chapter 13 and verse 37 and following. David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption, referring to Jesus. Therefore, let it be known to you. 
preach it. Let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, referring to Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. We are justified from all things, declared righteous. How? Through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Isn't that the wonderful truth that we need to embrace? Paul asked the question to the Romans in Romans 8.33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth, Paul says. No charge can be brought against the child of God that's justified. It's the gracious act of God whereby legally he declares the sinner righteous, the believing sinner righteous. So these first words of verse 24, being justified, speak wonderfully to our heart. It's a treasure of our position. It's a treasure of the price. We are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified freely. That means apart from anything that we do. It's beyond the power of money, effort, works. We've heard it said that if man has enough money, he can buy anything. Well, that's false. That's false. There are many, many things he can't buy with money. But certainly he cannot merit the righteousness of Christ. Our justification is priceless. Justified freely. The word freely means without a cause. We didn't, it didn't happen, justification didn't happen because all of a sudden we did enough work. All of a sudden we loved enough, we were good enough, and boom, God justified us. We didn't, we didn't do enough rituals like baptism or taking of, of the Lord's Supper, communion as they refer to it. And then all of a sudden we are justified. No, my friend, justified freely by His Grace. That word freely, Jesus used it in John chapter 15, verse 25. He told the disciples that the, the world, referring to the world, it says, they hated me without a cause. The phrase without a cause is the same Greek word that's used right here in Romans 3 and verse 24. Freely. They hated me freely, without a cause. Sinners, we can never do enough to merit or deserve justification, but God bestowed it upon the believing sinner without a cause, freely. Not only was there no price that could be paid for it, but there was no work, no merit, no barter, no negotiation, no promise, no commitment, nothing outside of God's grace. God's unmerited favor, justification, being justified freely by His grace. So the treasure that he's speaking about is the position that we are being justified or having been justified. 
the price is that it's freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. I want to take that phrase as well as the first one in verse 25 and speak to uh, two words here. And here we see the provision. It's a treasure because of what's provided. He uses two words, redemption, and then in verse 25, propitiation. Redemption, you understand, it means to buy out. It's what our Savior did for us when He paid the debt. It means to pay a satisfactory price. Often spoken of buying out or paying the price for a slave. It was common in Paul's day. Jesus Christ has bought us. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. That's redemption. Through redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He paid the debt of sin that we owed. Sinners cannot pay the price. Jesus paid it for us. Christ stepped in and paid the redemptive price. He redeemed us. And then in verse 25, he says, Whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith. By His blood through faith. Propitiation carries the idea of satisfaction. And we find that word used, and it's only uh, just a handful of times in the New Testament, but it, I, I see atoning sacrifice, pleasing sacrifice. It's the idea of satisfaction. Noah Webster defined it this way from a believer's perspective. Webster said, The act of appeasing wrath and conciliating the favor of an offended person, the act of making propitious. And that's what Jesus Christ did for us through His blood. That points to Calvary. Justification then is through the provision of redemption and propitiation. Through the provision of what Jesus did when He bought us, what Jesus did when He atoned for our sin. The law demands perfect obedience. We can't do it and so Christ does it for us. How? As our high priest. The book of Hebrews in the ninth chapter talks of the mercy seat. And the truth that's being taught there is that Jesus Christ is our mercy seat. As our high priest, he entered into heaven with his own blood, satisfying the righteous demands of Almighty God. Justification is a treasure speaks to our position. It speaks to the price that was paid. It speaks to the provision of redemption and propitiation. But then the passing of our sentence. Look what happens. It's as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. A lot of people read that and say, God ignored sin. He passed over. That's not what it means. That's not the, the, the concept. It's speaking of a payment in full. He passed over it because of redemption and propitiation. The payment had been made by His blood. We exercise faith in that act of what Christ did and Christ Himself fully. He passes over it because the payment has been made. To demonstrate what? Verse 26. 
that at the present time his righteousness, or at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Because sin was judged and payment made, God is indeed just. Holy God could not wink at sin. Holy God could not somehow or another decide, I'll just ignore sin and accept them. We would be like a fish out of water, a sinner in heaven. And so we need to be justified, declared righteous. And that's not just God saying, okay, then that would make God unrighteous. If he ignored the offense, if he ignored our sin, our unrighteousness, And so he justifies freely by his grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, the work of Christ on the cross. We are redeemed. There's been an atoning sacrifice, a pleasing sacrifice in the work of Jesus Christ. And we are declared righteous for the believing sinner. Jesus took our place under the wrath of God for sin. Jesus bore that in his body upon the cross fully and completely. And in doing so, he is able to justify us. He is able to declare us righteous. What's it take to get into heaven? Perfect righteousness. Do we have that? No. Only through Jesus Christ is that imputed to us. We believe we are forgiven the penalty of our sin. We believe and then we are justified. That doesn't happen. That's a simultaneous act. doesn't come later when you've achieved the 12 steps or something. It comes when you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ that in salvation He justifies you. He justifies me. Beautiful picture of justification. Perfect picture is obviously the scripture and what Jesus did for us. But to help you to understand it, years ago I... I heard a story. I don't know if it's true, but it's a great story. A man in London saved all of his life to be able to purchase what he believed was the perfect car. So he bought a Rolls Royce. He went to the factory and picked it up. He special ordered exactly what he wanted. And and in getting it, he then immediately set out on a trip in his beautiful, perfect Rolls Royce across the Swiss Alps. While he's on his trip, something happened. That perfect car ceased to run. It was rattling and creaking. The motor just stopped. He called the plant. He called the manufacturer and he said, I'm the guy who just bought the Rolls Royce. and I've taken a trip. I'm in the Swiss Alps and the car has stopped. The Rolls Royce factory immediately shipped two mechanics and a, and a liaison to smooth things over with this gentleman. They dispatched him by a helicopter to where he was in the mountains. And they fixed his car. He's thinking, I've saved all of my life to buy this car. And then I get here and it takes this to get it fixed. I wonder what they're going to charge me to fix it. Well, one month passes and he doesn't hear a word from the factory. They fixed it and he's, he's back on the road, back home now. And A month passes, he doesn't hear anything, two months. Six months go by and he hasn't heard a word 
And he calls the Rolls-Royce factory, and this was their answer. He explained to them, he said, you know, I'm the one that bought the car, and then you, you flew two mechanics and a, and, and a businessman to try to make me happy. I've not received a bill for this. Could you tell me what I owe you? And they said, sir, we have no record of any Rolls-Royce anywhere ever having a problem. I look at that and I think of God the Father looking upon me, not because of me, but because of Jesus Christ. And justification is that he says, I have no record of Ray Burks ever being a sinner. Isn't justification a wonderful act of God's love? Do you know Christ? How does this come to be for you? Well, he tells us in the text. Propitiation by his blood through faith. Faith isn't what saves you. You don't have to have a certain kind of faith other than in the Lord Jesus Christ or a certain amount of faith. You just need to trust in him. Are you believing Him? It's not walking an aisle. It's not praying a prayer. It's not joining a church. It's not being baptized. It's none of those merited things. It's believing and trusting. Not just believing that He existed, but believing that He died for you. You were a sinner that needed saving and you couldn't save yourself. And you are trusting in Him. I pray you do. Let's bow together. Thank you, Father, for your word and the wonderful, lovely doctrine, teaching about justification. I pray, Father, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would convict, convince in the hearts of those that are trusting in themselves or those that have never given thought to redemption or what they must do to be right with you. May you convict and convince them, draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is just and he is the justifier of them that believe. I pray, Father, that you would move in our hearts that have believed and that we would rejoice that you declare us righteous. While much of the world wants to harp on how unrighteous we are, we praise you, Father, that you've given to us your perfect righteousness and you see us, you declare us to be just, righteous. May we live that away while we are here, this side of eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name.